You're listening to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. Thank you for tuning in. Today is a really, really special guest, Steve Schull. Uh, he's been a mentor of mine and a, a real estate coach. Yeah, He's the CEO of Performance Coaching, one of the most elite real estate coaches in the country and coaches a bunch of different people from Santiago Arana to Sally Forster Jones, Linda May to David Kramer, on and on and on, a lot of uh, big hitters. But his story that we're about to hear is incredible. Uh, he was a long shot, uh, got recruited by one school to play football, small school, Williams and Mary, and then out of there somehow got picked up as a free agent and made the Miami Dolphins team. Uh, I think he's the only Jewish linebacker ever in the history of the NFL. Someone needs to fact check that. But just incredible, incredible, inspiring human being. And he's brought so much inspiration and strength and energy to so many other successful business people. So I'm really, really excited to have Steve Schull on today and hear his story. And I think, yeah, a lot of you guys are going to be blown away by it. You know, I've thought since I launched this, you would be one of the best guests to have here uh, because I know you in so many different ways. You know me in so many different ways. But instead of you grilling me today, I get to grill grill you for a little bit. So go for, for those, it. Go, go for, for it. So for those of you that don't know, Steve is an elite uh, business coach focusing on real estate uh, in L.A. for many years. But he had a whole life before that, which we're going to get into. Uh we think he may be the only Jewish linebacker in the history of the National Football League. If anyone else can fact check that, let me know and tell me it's fake news, but I think it's real. So, Steve, let's get back to the beginning. Tell me where you grew up, how you grew up. Uh, were you playing sports growing up, different sports, or was it always football? And, you know, what kind of led you to focusing on football and high school football and then walk us through high school career, college career, and then we can get to the NFL after that? Well, I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Philadelphia, and got into sports right from the beginning. Was a Eagles fan, Phillies fan, Sixers fan, and you know, sports was absolutely my my focus growing up. Uh, my mom was always trying to get me to do other things, and I just had a a, a one track mind. So I, I did play, I played football, played baseball, played basketball. However, early on, I uh, it was like seventh grade in baseball, threw my arm out. So that uh, kind of ended my uh, baseball career. And I, I wasn't that great in basketball and always loved football. And so, you know, that became the focus and uh, had a, a good high school Football career was captain and uh, got some awards and things like that and was fortunate enough to uh, get one scholarship offer. One. One offer to the College of William & Mary. So that's where I ended up in Williamsburg, so Virginia. So was it Notre Dame, Alabama, USC? No, they were, they, <laughs> they were not knocking on my door. So, <laughs> uh, Did you have siblings and did they play sports with you or – 
I had uh, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. No, they were not into sports. Okay. So you, at what positions did you play in high school? A little everything? or In high school, I, I was a uh, tight end and a linebacker. Okay. And were you the star of the team? Were you the standout player at that point? Was it clear that you were another level or, or no? Were you just a good player in the mix? I mean, you got a scholarship. I, 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 I would say I was above average. You uh, had to be above average. You got a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was very focused, very determined. Let's put it that way. Okay. So yeah. you went to William Mary. Uh, William Mary, is that in Pennsylvania too? No, I'm William going. Mary's in Williamsburg, Virginia, Virginia. Second oldest college in the country. Harvard was one and William and Mary was two, 1693. I think they recruited me for baseball and I didn't know where it was. I was like, who, who, William and who? But uh, that's a whole nother yeah, story. Same so thing. You no didn't know you got, I'm going. So I'm you, going. Went, you went there, you showed up. up. I mean, it's a big jump, high school to college. What was that transition like for you as an athlete going to that level of, you know, college football, it's college football. It's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah, thinking back, I, I don't know uh it, it wasn't a, it wasn't I, it wasn't a difficult transition from from high school okay to college it was more just an extension of you know competition got a little better and 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 worked harder to to meet that level of competition okay and you were playing linebacker now once you were in college linebacker absolutely and how long did it take you to get into the lineup were you playing right away as a freshman or did it wait till you're Last year, I'm kind of trying to get a gauge on were you dominating at this small school, and it was clear that this is guy's a monster and it's going to the next level, or were you, you know, no, well, I, I, I was, it, was, it, it was interesting. We had good linebackers. In fact, uh, one of the guys on the team, Jim Ryan, who was a year ahead of me, he actually made it with uh, the Broncos wow. and played okay. nine or ten years with uh, with the Broncos, and it was actually. Uh, by the t- playing the pros was always my dream growing up from right Little from the kid. beginning. By the time I got to college, that dream had begun to fade tremendously. I, w- I was only six foot one. Uh, I was like 185 pounds when I, you know, got to William and Mary. Yeah, it's not big for a linebacker. Uh, yeah, not not big at all. And basically was thinking I wasn't big enough, wasn't fast enough wasn't good enough. However, uh, in my junior year, Jim Ryan's senior year, uh, after that, he ended up signing a free agent contract with the Broncos. And so when, when that happened, because we were very similar in terms of uh, size, I had put on a little more weight by then, uh, and we had similar careers. And so when he, so you're like, oh, when 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 the Broncos signed him, then I said, okay, maybe it's not so far away. Maybe it's, I got a chance. And, and so by and, this time uh, you were a junior. Or? Th- yeah, that was when I was a junior. So uh, my senior year, I, I had a very good junior year. My senior year uh, w- was not as good. I had a couple injuries that I was dealing with, and uh, however, I, I did engage an agent and uh, I was hoping that I might get drafted. There was a little interest, yeah, not a lot. And back then, the draft was three or four days. It was uh, a lot more, more rounds, rounds. A, yeah. a lot more people, very different. Day one went by, no nope. calls. Day two, no calls. Day three, 
no calls and I didn't get drafted. Yeah. And fortunately though, uh, one of the equipment managers, uh, her dad was an assistant coach with the dolphins. And so there was, there was some connections. Okay. Somebody knew me. And anyway, I I can remember it it was, you know, the day after the draft, I got a call uh, in the morning from the Dolphins, and they said, uh, we want you to come down to training camp. I said, great. (laughs) And I had really long hair at the time. Nice. This is like late 70s, what, 80? You you started Uh, in 80s. No, this was uh, 1976. Oh, yeah. And uh, no, no, this was 19... Your career, your rookie year was 1976, yeah. And uh, so... At a 1968 Dodge van, Dodge van, awesome. jumped in that van, went right to uh, uh, to get a haircut, got all my hair cut off, <laughs> flew down to Miami, and I was recovering. I'd had uh, shoulder surgery Oof. and I had broken my wrist, and so my 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 arm was still in a cast, and I, I so I fly down to Miami. And I remember driving into training camp, and right when, when I was coming in, Don Shula was happened to be coming off the the practice field, and no shirt. He was a little overweight, <laughs> and that and and I, I remember meeting him walking in, and you know this was like meeting a god. It, it know, was, you know, we're meeting a god. Yeah. And uh, so so you go through it's called mini camp. And they bring in right after the draft. They bring in all the draft choices, and then they they sign free agents, and everyone comes in for a three or four day mini camp. And I couldn't do a whole lot because you have a cast, shoulder <laughs> surgery, arm in a cast, and so we we get to the end of mini camp, the end of the three days. Now I don't have a contract yet. Yeah, and so I'm about to. Uh, leave the facility. They, they, I'll never forget this. Uh, the director of player personnel, Bill Davies, calls me into Bill Davis, calls me into his office, and puts a contract in front of me. And it was a three-year contract. You're going to wow. love this signing bonus: five hundred dollars. First year, twenty-five thousand dollars. Second year, thirty thousand dollars. And then an option for a fifteen percent increase in the in the third year of that contract, just like today, <laughs> just like today, right? Yeah, just like missing this. three zeros. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but you got a contract. You were hurt well, at trading camp. So, so I, I have an agent at this time, and I said, "Well, I'd really like you to talk to my agent about this contract, I'll negotiate this deal." And he goes, "Son." If you don't sign this contract, I'm sure we can find someone who will. <laughs> sign the contract. Got my $500. <laughs> that was it. That was it. So and, how uh, did you flew- get signed if you didn't? What, what's if, you were, if you were hurt, how did you, I would get it. What are, what are yeah, the odds of that? Yeah. Anyway, so, so you know, then I, you know, go back up to, to Pennsylvania, spend the rest of the summer working out and then back to Miami. And, and again, back then things were very different. Training camp was eight weeks long. 
you practice twice a day you're in pads full pad. twice a day full gear the the whole thing and remember it's miami july august it's 110 exactly, degrees not humid. exactly cool so and when you when back then they they would bring in 90 people to training camp and then the final roster would be 45 so, so cut, yeah, okay. So they're they're cutting from ninety to forty five, and then a lot of the guys they're bringing back. So there's it's not like there's forty five correct open positions. You know, you're competing. Maybe there were ten openings on ten on the team, and I'm a free agent, and nobody knows who I am, and nobody right. really cares. I'm just a body for for training camp, and so I got in there and. It was it was very challenging because literally in in two practices a day, I might get in for a total of four plays. Period. No reps. No reps. No anything. And however, when the uh, exhibition, when the preseason started, guys were getting hurt, and so I would play a lot in the games. Got it. And By in practice, I was an outside linebacker. And when we played, though. I played inside linebacker. So it, 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 a lot of it was mental. And, and I played really well. I was kicking butt. And, and so you go through this whole experience, and it, it, it's a challenging experience. I can remember halfway through or whatever, I was getting really frustrated not being able to practice, and there was uh, – a guy on the uh, the other side uh, on offense, Ronnie Lee, and he was a second-year guy from Texas. He was a tight end, and he was a big guy. He he, <laughs> he was probably 6'4", 6'5", 270 pounds. How big were you now at this and, point? And, and I'm 6'1", and now I'm about uh, maybe 215. That's, and so light. Ronnie liked to take chip shots at the, at the rookie linebackers yeah. any chance he got. And one day he happened to take a, a shot at me. And that was the kind of thing that threw me over the edge. And I just went ballistic. And so we go at it, the two of us. Now, he, he's got 50, 60 pounds on me and a few inches. And yet five guys are having to hold me back and no, one, no one's holding him. And I think that got the coach's attention a little bit. <laughs> And, 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 and so you go through this process and, and, uh, you know, the first cut, they go from 90. I think they, they it was a big cut. They cut down the 60. I made it through that first cut. Uh, the next cut, 60 to 45. I, I forget. I mean, 60 to 55. I forget the numbers. Exactly. I made it through the second cut, made it through the third cut. Now it's the last preseason game. It. Last preseason game, we're playing the the New Orleans Saints down in the Superdome, mm -hmm. and it's Archie Manning, not Peyton Manning, not Eli Manning. He he was the quarterback, yep. and I I had a, a quarterback sack in that game, nice. and then I had a a big hit on uh, special teams, and. I'm thinking maybe you have a shot. I got a shot. It's the last cut. They go from 50 to 45. So you're right there. I'm right there. I'm counting up. They usually kept eight linebackers. 
And uh, the week before, they had cut a number two draft choice mm. from the year before. Wow. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be number, number eight. eight. <laughs> Lucky eight. So we, 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 we play the game. We come back to Miami. You get a day off. And then Monday, you walk in the training camp. And there's a guy there called the Turk. And the Turk is the guy who tells you if you're cut or not. And the way they tell you if you're cut is they say, you know, you need to bring your playbook your, to the your, to the office. Take your playbook. So obviously I'm on pins and needles. Yeah. I go over there and I see the Turk and he says, you know, bring your playbook. You're like, oh, here we go. And, and I end up being the last guy cut. Oh, and it's oh. it's devastating. It's it, it's literally, you know, to get that close to that dream oh. and go through this entire heart, process, soul crushing, heartbreaking. And so I go in and and it's uh, Shula, Shula sitting like this, yeah, saying, right, "Sorry, right, 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 right now." So what does Shula tell you? Do you remember? And he goes, that? He goes "You did a great job." Uh, and I I actually want you to stick around for a day. And, uh, and I said, okay, I'll stick, around. I'll stick around for a day. However, I know I was talking to my agent and he said the Giants were interested in me. You know, total nonsense. Yeah. And anyway, so what, what happened? So they took one of the, the offensive players who was hurt. They put him on injured reserve. And that opened up a roster spot. Anyway, let me backtrack for a second. So anyway, the day he he I got cut, I go back to my room. Now, <laughs> are you in tears? I mean, devastation. Absolute devastation. Yeah, I can we, we 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 training camp was at this place called St. Thomas University, which was a a a, a downgrade from Motel Six. Okay. All right, we're we're staying in these crummy fancy. crummy dorm rooms. And and I go back to my dorm room and I, you know, shut the blinds and, oh. and I spend the night in, in darkness hearing the other guys that have made the team celebrate out partying and I'm in my room, you know, oh. I'm having my own pity party yeah, is what, of course. what I'm having. Yeah. Anyway, next day comes, the roster spot opens up, one o'clock, I get a knock on my door, and I'm back on the team. You're like, wow. Mind blowing. However, in 24 hours, all my confidence had gone out the window, you know, and now I don't want to get cut again. And one of the things that people don't realize when you play professional sports, at least when I was playing, there was no such thing as a guaranteed contract. And yeah. you could get cut any day of the week. And guys did, did get cut. Guys, you know, every week. One or two guys are getting cut. One or two guys are coming in. People are getting injured. And so your job is literally on the line all the time. So, so I didn't want to get cut again because that didn't feel good. No. So for the first five weeks of the season, I was playing not to make a mistake. And so you're when you're tight. playing not to make a mistake, you're not doing anything. No, you're tight. You're tight. You're in it's, your own head. You're exactly. not your best. So it's week six. We're playing the New York Jets, and I'm walking out to the practice field. 
and Coach Shula is ahead of me, and he turns around, looks me square in the eye, and he says, son, you're not doing what we put you on this team to do. Turned around and walked away. And, you know, basically what he was telling me is I was going to get cut cut again. And th- this was a defining, one of, one of the defining moments in my life. I had to make a decision. And I, and I remember this clearly. And I, I stopped and I, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to give my best effort going forward. And if my best effort is good enough, great. And if my best effort is not good enough, well, so be it. I'm not going to sit here and worry about getting cut anymore. And that's where I truly learned not to be attached to the outcome. Yeah. And I let it go. And I ended up playing a total of four years. Uh, got to play in a Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 17 was one of the captains. That, that was Incredible. a funny story. Against was that Riggins? Who was John Riggins? Redskins. Yeah. Did you John get? Riggins, did you have to tackle one, Riggins? Forty-four yards. Yeah, we were. Oh, he was a beast. He was a beast. He was. He he was a. It's throwback. like trying to get in front of a car. He, he was a tough guy, <laughs> no doubt about it. And um, so, you know, growing up watching the Super Bowl, and they go out for the the coin flip. And I always had it in my head that you, you know, if you're one of the captains, you get Flip the get coin. a coin. <laughs> and, and so I, I ended up being one of the captains so for that you game. You were at the 50 yard line. I'm out on the 50 the yard line That's before awesome. the game. Yeah, it was cool. So who was out? Do you remember who were the captains? Who were you with? Uh, who was the on quarterback? My team, uh, Bob Kuchenberg, who recently just passed away. Uh, I think maybe Don McNeil, who was a cornerback. I forget. Uh, on the team, we had an offensive guy. Defense Who was the quarterback? Guy. Was it Greasy at that point? Bob Greasy or someone else? My my, my first year, Marino. I played. Greasy was quarterback. Then I played with David Woodley uh, yeah. from LSU. He was the quarterback for that game. And then my last year was Dan Marino's first, first year. year. So it was right in the league. Yeah. So uh, we ended up. We were, we were actually ahead in the game going into the fourth quarter, and then uh, there was a. Fourth and one play, and Riggins went off tackle for forty plus yards, and, uh, and they ended up they ended up winning winning the game. So you were in a Super Bowl game. Here you go from yeah. Philadelphia all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that was actually the last game I ever played in. the The following year, uh, we were in a scrimmage uh, against the Saints, and um, and I had I had a bad premonition going into the scrimmage. The year before, when we scrimmaged, I, I had hurt my knee and had to miss a, uh, a, few, a few weeks of practice. And so I was worried about that going into this scrimmage. And we do the scrimmage. I go through my plays, and I'm fine. And I, so I come off the field feeling, okay, I made it. Another guy gets hurt. I have to go back oh, in. Oh, no. And boom, it was a goal line play. I was diving over the top. Uh, The fullback hit me in my knee with his helmet. And I flipped over. My leg whiplash and tore uh, two ligaments and a car, uh, two cartilage and a ligament, ACL. And the old ACL. You know, laying on the field, doctor comes out, pulls the knee, and says, that's it for the year. 
Yeah. And that was actually it for my career. That was it forever. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, you know, tried rehabbing back. Um, uh, so the following year, go, you know, go to training camp. You have to take a physical. Uh, I flunked my physical. However, coaches called up the doctors. Things were a little different then. <laughs> he passed his physical. <laughs> and so I, I, I get on. I'll never forget this. You know, I, I knew my leg was bad. But however, you know, that first practice. You went out. We went out, and, and the very first drill they used to do in, in uh, training camp all the time was a drill called Oklahoma drill. Is that when you pop up? You go on. you go one-on-one against yeah. a, a lineman, and then there's a running back, yep. and you, you have the uh, the dummies you gotta on stay the side. In between you got to stay dummies. in the lane, <laughs> and you got to shed the block, get off, make the tackle. Oh. And I, rem- I remember looking at my position coach like, you're going to make me do this? And what wasn't his call, and I lined up, got my butt kicked, and came back around, and it was time for me to do it again. And he's and he comes to me and says, "All right, you you, you don't have to go through. I, Screw that! I've already been through it once. Let's let's go again." Anyway, I, I, I practiced for about two weeks, and and then finally I was dragging my knee around. I oh, went yes. in. I, I went to Coach Shul and said, "You know, I, I can't do this. I'm I'm going to tear my knee up again." And that was the end of my career. Well, that was a hell of a career. Yeah. Hell of a career. Well, it's also ACL and reconstruction surgeries were very different. Then. Yeah, well, you went in a cast for eight yeah. weeks and it was a whole different yeah. process. I didn't have, I did mine, same thing. Ended yeah. my football career with ACL and yeah. that's why I went to baseball. Well, that's an unreal story. I've never heard that start to finish. Yeah. One thing that, a lot of things stand out, but one thing that really stands out is it sounds like you made a mental adjustment or you got tuned into the mental side and the psychology uh, of playing sports in terms of getting your head straight, in terms of playing in the zone rather than being self-conscious. Find that very interesting because now let's jump forward into your business career. Uh, I know a lot of what you preach is you have to have the mental side. You have to spend time preparing mentally, emotionally for business, you know, and it, so how much of that was stuff that you took from your sports career uh, versus just stuff you've picked up along the way. And I'd also love to hear, like, well, give us the quick summary, the post-career to getting the transition to getting into coaching real estate agents and what you're doing now. Well, so after I tore my knee, but to knee up, I went back. And the other thing I didn't bring up, when I played back then, we had jobs in the off season. We Got actually it. went to work. Got it. <laughs> One year, I worked uh, selling memberships at a racquetball club. Uh, the other years, uh, one of the reporters happened to work in an advertising agency. So he, he got me an internship, and I would, I'd work in the advertising agency in the offseason. So, that, again, that was a little it's different, a different than, world, yeah. than today's athlete. So uh, I went back on an MBA from the University of Miami. Uh, they had this great program. If you were a business undergraduate, you could get an MBA in nine months. So I said, sign me up for that. And I, I got my MBA for, uh, in nine months. And they had one of those career days that they have. Mm-hmm. And this this guy came in from Goldman Sachs, this young guy. And he was talking about investment banking. I had no idea what investment banking <laughs> was. And I said, whatever he's doing, yeah, I want to do that. Sounds good. Big money. <laughs> I made it through one round of interviews with uh, Goldman Sachs, and that was the end of, of that. However, uh, 
I ended up getting hired by uh, Citibank, North American Investment Bank, and went up to New York, went through a six-month training program in New York, came back down to Miami. They, uh, Citibank had a, an office in Miami, worked there for about a year, and then that office closed, went back up to New York uh, to interview, and ended up getting a job at Solomon Brothers which at the time was one, one of the premier big, big Wall, Street, Wall Street firms. And you know that was a, a huge opportunity and went up through the interview process and ended up working in on the government desk, you know, right in the epicenter, what was going on, and, and, and did that for about five years and then ended um, back in Florida. And then I decided to just make a complete change, moved out to California in 1991 and got into residential real estate. Right. And uh, partnered up with someone who was in the business. And in our first year, we sold 53 homes. And in my second year, was on track to sell 100 homes. And I was going to some real estate seminars and I, I went to uh, Mike Ferry uh, yeah. and with the idea of creating a coaching program for real estate agents. And at the time, coaching in real estate did not exist. Yeah. And so I was actually the guy who invented yeah. real estate no was coaching that. and uh, joined Mike in uh, 1993, and that's when we launched coaching, and I've been coaching full-time since. Uh, in 2007, with a couple other partners, opened a real estate company, Tells Properties, did that for five years, and kept my coaching practice during that period of time. And uh, after I, I left Tellus, just continued on with my coaching practice. Yeah. So been coaching for over 25 years. A lot of what I do is based on my football experience. Don Shula is the winningest coach in NFL history. Yeah. The guy demanded perfection 100% of the time. And what, what, I, what I loved about playing for him is you knew why you were there every single day and you were there for one reason and one reason only and that is to win a super bowl and that was his goal 365 days a year that was the goal of the team 365 days a year and so a lot of the a lot of the things i went through from that experience i've carried forward yeah. into my practice one of the things that you do what you learn in football is it's a pressure packed situation and you have to learn how to play under pressure because it's there all the time yeah. and and you you have to elevate your game to that situation and so uh, that's one and that's where the mental part comes in a lot of guys have the physical ability to compete in the pros and when you get to the pros, everyone's got physical ability. Yeah. You know, there, there are some guys who have over-the-top physical ability. However, for the most part, it's mindset. 
And that's what enabled me to even play. I wasn't big enough. Right. I wasn't fast enough. I had lousy hands. Uh, but however, mentally, I didn't make mistakes. Yeah. And I, I, I stuck my head in that playbook and I knew what I was doing. Yeah. So mindset and the mental game and preparation elevated you far beyond your tools. Your tools uh, may not have been what a scout would say, hey, this is a no-brainer linebacker in the NFL, but your mindset, work ethic, all that combined was able to elevate you, which is clearly a lot of what you preach every day when you're talking to us about business. It, there's so many similarities. I always feel like a lot of the parallels and work ethic and things that I do where the blueprint came from my sports careers. And, and for sure, I see that through you, and which is all one of the things that I always appreciate and enjoy because a lot of the stuff you've tell, telling me are things that I kind of grew up on and things that molded me. And I just think that the mental side of everything, whatever, whether it's business or anything else, is it's just, it's so important. So rewind a little bit. Who were you partners with in real estate? Who do you, who were you working with? Uh, when I was selling real when estate, when you started selling real estate, when you first got uh, in, her that, name was Cynthia Freeman. Cynthia you know, Freeman. We worked in Fullerton. You were in Fullerton, Fullerton, so not California. A, yeah. So you did so much business. Why would you think, okay, I'll do something else? If you're doing fifty deals, a hundred deals, you were at the top of the game. What, what, you know, most people wouldn't shift. They'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm dominating. I'll just. I liked figuring out how how to do it. Like when I went to this uh, the seminars I was going to, I would study what the top agents were doing. In fact, what what got me going in, in real estate is I listened to an interview with two top agents, uh, Kim and Daryl Rouse. They were in Long Beach, California. They were in their second year of real estate, and I listened to what they were doing they were selling 100 homes in their in their second year and i listened to that and immediately got what 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 the process was contacts equal leads leads equal appointments appointments equal listings and buyers listings and buyers equal sales it was a progression and so i was always tuning into the 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 formula of how to make things work just like when you play football you have a playbook mm -hmm. and so I, I was very interested in creating what would be the playbook for success in real estate and i think i tapped into that right right from the beginning and that's still the playbook that i work from i've got more tools and and and, and experience in that playbook now but at the core of it, it's still the still same the basic, fundamentals. Basic fundamentals. You yeah. refine and tweak just like a game plan would be refined and tweaked. Exactly. So after all these years, and you you coach some of the you know lions and legends of our business, uh, what do you see? I'm sure it's a tough question, but what are some of the threads and common themes you're seeing with people that reach uh, the heights uh, of this business? And do you think that that similar traits that are the same traits that are people re that are that have athletes reaching certain heights is, is are there similarities and you know i would like you to speak and get your take on on that what are the common threads of the most successful business agents that you've coached or that you've known if i look at the top agents the 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 the, the characteristic that stands out most is they work their tail off you know nobody's yeah. nobody's coasting uh, they're smart people. 
and uh, they're big thinkers. You know, the, the ones who succeed think bigger than everyone else, and then they back it up with work. And then the, I, I've learned many lessons. However, the one I always share, if, if I look back over 25 plus years of coaching, the one thing that stands out the most, if you want to grow, you have to let go. And it's the, the agents who can let go. Like When you start out as a real estate agent, you do everything yourself from A to Z. And that's how you learn the business. Right. And that's how you begin to generate business. However, once you start generating business, you can't do everything that you did in the beginning. And the more and more you can let go, the more and more your, your business grows. And that by far is the thing that I see. Those agents who can let go, and we're, we're talking about being able to delegate administrative things to mm -hmm. other people. Those are the people who and can continue to think big. Those are the ones who grow their business. That's pretty, that's pretty, pretty clear. It seems like so any advice you'd like to give up and coming agents or agents in general, if you say, Hey, what are some basic advice uh, for someone who's seen it all done it all? You know, what, what are a couple things you would tell them to do? Real estate is not rocket science. It is a very simple business. <laughs> and for a long time, for uh, over five years, I used to teach a class to all the Caldwell Banker, all the new people coming into Caldwell Banker. And it, it was amazing to me how many people got into this business and never thought about what they were going to do to generate business. <laughs> they just said, wow. I, I like houses where I like people and I want to make a six figure income and I don't want to have a boss and I want to have freedom and flexibility. Real estate perfect. is perfect. And you know, I, I, hardly anyone ever walked into this business with a plan. When I started out, I knocked on 200 doors a day. 200 doors a day That's a and doors. and i called expired listings every day i spent four to five hours a day prospecting i got right up front that the key to selling houses is talking to people yeah and if you want to sell more homes you got to talk to more people so if you're a new agent wanting to get in this business you've got to prospect that is job one yeah. And if you're not willing to knock on doors or knock on heads or talk to the people you know or uh, become part of organizations, you know, get yourself in front of people. Yeah. Any which way you can. Any which way, because yeah. the market is only getting more and more competitive. Certainly. And so you, you've got to be willing to prospect. And if I was getting in the business now, I'd probably look for a top team to join so that you can... The, the, the challenge in real estate, if you're not around business, it's hard to figure out how to do business. And so you, you've got to get yourself around business as quickly as you can. Yeah. Yeah. That was a key for me. I think uh, in the beginning, I had David offer to look up to and it was like, whoa, that's what you do. You know, and I felt like and I started hitting the ground running doing deals, but it always felt like there was so many levels uh, ahead because I was walk looking at David Offer and Larry Young and all these guys. It, 
you know, I guess there's always looking at another level, but being around people that work hard and do business in the beginning of my career was fantastic. Being on a team would have probably accelerated me, but I was on my own. I probably would have jumped, gotten to a level faster. But yeah, I think that's being on a team is what I would suggest someone because there's so much to learn and it's so hard. Uh, even if you find a lead to close a lead when you're new, it's just so difficult. But that's really interesting. Anything else you feel like you want to share? Anything you need to promote? You have any events coming up that you're speaking on? The open mic for you. Anything, any words of wisdom for us real estate? Uh, the, uh, all I would say is the goal every day is to keep getting better. And that's something that I think about every day, always looking for. And it's not that it's a new idea. There, it's, it's not about having new ideas. You don't need new ideas. You ju I, I just encourage people, getting back to what we talked about earlier, mindset. It's, it, it, it's so critical. Keeping your head in the right place. Meditation. If, if, you, if you haven't gotten into the practice of meditation, that's something that I would huge, recommend right? to, yeah. to everyone. Taking that time every day just to detach from the external world let go, go inside, and really tap into who you are and a higher level of awareness and consciousness. Yeah, I think that's very important. Was meditation something you have done your whole life through athletics, or is it a newer thing that you've uh, gotten into? Obviously, it's, it's been around a while. But it's I, been I mean, around. But it's become I, so know, mainstream. I, you know, I wondered what it was. Yeah. And, maybe meditated a time or two here yeah, or there. Yeah, but never serious it's, about it's, it. It's probably within the last two to three years. I uh, got turned onto an app called Headspace. Yep. Started there and and have since graduated. And it's just something that I, I really think is extremely helpful for anyone. Yeah, I would agree. Well, look, I know you have to rush. You probably have 10 other mm -hmm. clients you need to see, but Thank you for coming and sharing that story. I've I've waited a long time to hear these football stories. Well, You're always I hope grilling, it was entertaining. It was. You're always <laughs> grilling me about making more contacts <laughs> and, and thinking bigger. But now I get to grill you about the first Jewish and only Jewish NFL linebacker, Super Bowl captain, Steve Schull. Forget this real estate stuff. We got to promote your football stuff, Steve. All right, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming, and we'll uh, we'll continue this offline. All right. Thank thanks. you very much for All having right, me, Danny. Thanks, Steve. Man, that's just an incredible, incredible life story. Steve Schull is the man. I mean, you got to just have respect for someone who's just walks to walk and talks to talk. So you can always find Steve Schull. Uh, his website is performancecoaching.com, or you can find him on Instagram at smscoach1. Uh, you can find me anytime at dannybrownla.com or at dannybrownla on Instagram. Thank you for tuning in wherever you like to consume your podcasts. We are there. We're also on video on YouTube. We have so many cool guests coming on soon. James Ferrier, uh, ex-dealer, ex-NFL superstar coming up. John Orlando, comedian and uh, co-host of the Action Junkies and Vegas Junkies. And just so many really fun, interesting guests. So please tune in, leave comments, tell us what you're thinking, and looking forward to connecting with you guys soon. Take care.